Welcome to the Organic Wine Podcast. Hello, this is Adam Huss coming to you from Los Angeles, California. Thanks so much for listening. The title of this episode is Organic Sucks and Natural Wine Will Save the World. Let me start by saying that I don't actually believe either of those statements, but what I have to say are short caveats or alternative perspectives based on some feedback that I got that I just thought was important to address um, in relation to two past episodes. Uh, The one episode was titled, Is the Cost of Organic and Biodynamic Certification Worth It? And the other episode was titled, Natural Wine is Bullshit. If you haven't listened to those, you'd probably want to go back and have a listen before proceeding with this one. So first, though I don't believe organic sucks, I freely admit that it isn't the end-all, be-all, one-size-fits-all solution to agriculture. I did address this briefly in the cost of certification episode, but that episode really wasn't a defense of organic. It was just an attempt to get people to stop using this cost of certification as an excuse for not getting certified. Also, some people who responded to that episode wanted to know about the cost of certification from a standpoint of what kind of infrastructure must be implemented or what kind of grapes are and aren't allowed and you know, what kind of equipment you can and can't use in an organic vineyard. In other words, what kind of changes must you make? You know, because any changes you have to make to your farm is going to cost you something. So what kind of changes do you have to make in order to get organic certified? And though that wasn't what the episode was really about, it also didn't occur to me to address these things because as far as I know, these kinds of things are not the kinds of things that organic crop certification concerns itself with. You can basically plant whatever kind of grapes or fruit you want on whatever kind of trellis system you want with whatever kind of equipment you want and still get certified organic. The only exception to this that I know of is perhaps the timing of having animals in your vineyard. I have heard that there is a time period before harvest before harvest, during which animals must be removed from the vineyard. And, you know, this is for sanitary reasons, to prevent fresh poop from getting onto the harvested fruit. And I could be completely wrong about this, and it might not apply to all animals, but regardless, if it's true, it really wouldn't affect the cost of organic certification. And now we're getting into niche case territory, and that's not my goal. But to sum up, getting Certified organic can look exactly like conventional viticulture, except for your chemical vineyard inputs. That is, you know, any pesticide that you use, herbicides, fungicides, insecticides, etc., all have to be organic, which means they are not synthetic manufactured, and they are organically allowed. That's really all that certification requires. Now, A lot of organic farmers go way beyond this because once you understand the way that soil and plant and animal biology work together to create health and vitality and deliciousness, you'll probably want to maximize those things. But organic certification doesn't require maximization. Okay, a final word about that organic certification episode. If I could re-record it, the main thing that I would change would be my tone. One listener referred to my tone as dismissive, Uh, Another said it sounded like I was scolding. And, you know, I I, I have to admit that in re-listening, I was definitely impassioned and fervent. And the truth is that in my position as an advocate for 
a more ecological and accountable approach to wine, I hear so many excuses. And I was a bit fed up with the cost of certification being one of them. I just heard one too many completely false statements about how much it costs to get certified. That was the inspiration for the episode, because the bottom line is that relative to any other agricultural cost, the cost of certification is minimal at best and reasonable at worst. That was the whole reason I recorded the episode. Unfortunately, I know that my tone probably put some people on the defensive, and I do need to acknowledge that this is a really complicated issue, and I come from a standpoint of knowing a lot, and I realize that not everybody you know, shares the same knowledge that I have, has the same level of understanding. And look, I don't know every circumstance. I just know every circumstance that I've looked at. But I do want to clarify, I was speaking about certification in the U.S., and the analysis was limited only to the actual fees and monies paid to the certifying body to get and maintain certification. If you're in Kenya seeking U.S. organic certification for your wine that you intend to sell in the U.S., I have no idea what the costs are involved or how the exchange rate between the Kenyan shilling and the U.S. dollar will affect that. Also, if you stop using Roundup so that you can get certified, and because of that you have to start mowing or weed whacking regularly, will your costs go up? Possibly. Is that a cost of certification? Absolutely not. And this is something I want to be really clear about. That is a cost of farming organically. Certification is merely an accountability measure that enables people who don't know and trust you to have the confirmation of a third party that you are farming organically. Finally, I want to acknowledge that organic certification does cost something. And when you're a farmer, any amount of money can be a lot of money. (laughs) So even if certification only costs you $1,000 per year, which is actually realistic for, you know, medium-sized, small-sized vineyard, depending on how you sell your wine, who you sell it to, and many other factors, spending that $1,000 per year for certification may not be as high priority as spending that $1,000 on some other farming expense. That doesn't mean you aren't farming organically. It just means that you aren't certified. But it also doesn't mean that getting certified is expensive. It just means you have other priorities. Okay, just wanted to, you know, clear that up and move on to part two about natural wine saving the world. Of course, that can't be true. But as the guy who put out the episode titled Natural Wine is Bullshit, I want to let you know that I always intended to put out a second episode titled Natural Wine is Awesome or something like that as a sort of bookend to that first episode. In that episode, I actually say, quote, I can say a lot of good things about natural wine, unquote. Well, here is that good that I can say. Wine, at least what has been thought of as wine throughout most of my lifetime, has become pretty stagnant. Natural wine has done wonders for opening up the possibilities of what the word wine actually means. And God knows that word needed some expansion. American wine, as it has been defined by convention and tradition throughout my lifetime, essentially, is an imported, colonial, Euro-fetishizing product. The dominant wine culture has only legitimized European grapes made in a limited number of European styles. Now, before you think I'm dissing those grapes or styles, I'm not. They're delicious. I'm just saying they're limited. And that approach to wine is limited. It's also unsound from an ecological standpoint because those European grapes didn't evolve here in the U.S. And unless you're in the dry west of the U.S., 
Those grapes need enormous chemical crutches to survive. Europe isn't my concern, but honestly, I don't think that those vines do that well in France anymore without a lot of chemical crutches either. France or Germany or any of the other continental climates. My point is that it's time for the world to move beyond vinifera. When I go to Oregon, I want to taste Oregon wine, not French wine made in Oregon. When I go to Florida, I want to taste Florida wine. When I go to the Green Mountains of Vermont, I want to taste a different wine from the Smoky Mountains of North Carolina. And I want them both to be entirely different from wines that come from Mount Etna in Sicily or the Alps. What is Oregon wine? What is Florida wine? We don't even know yet. We haven't explored these questions for very long, but we're beginning to. It's time for an end of the imperialistic colonial culture that we've all had plenty of by now. It's time to recognize that there are indigenous grapes that grow best in every location on the continents of this earth, and they don't need chemistry to survive because they actually evolved there in those lands. And beyond that, Great wine doesn't have to be only about grapes. There are amazing fermented beverages from whatever is locally available in every corner of the globe, even those corners where grapes can't grow. In other words, free your palate and your mind will follow. And you know what? Say what you will about natural wine. It has freed an entire generation's palate. For the first time in my lifetime, I can go to a store and taste something unique, something made with prickly pears or apples or plums or mesquite. Maybe blended with grapes, maybe blended with flowers, maybe not. And it's all wine. For the first time in my lifetime, I can go to a store and taste flavors that challenge the way I think. For the first time in my lifetime, someone could slip a bottle of fermented sunshine onto a shelf, and that juice could come from indigenous grapes or cactus or berries that actually evolved within 100 miles of that store where it's being sold, and people would actually buy it and give it the same respect as, if not more than, a standard vinifera wine. And I think the natural wine movement has been the main reason that is now possible. And despite what I still think is an overly zealous obsession with parts per million of sulfites at the expense of some much-needed attention being given to the farming, if natural wine has opened the door to diversity and a more ecological wine scene, then I'm a fan. And if we celebrate that diversity because it makes way for each place to express itself in a variety of beverages crafted from local ingredients that thrive without industrial practices, and if we begin to crave the uniqueness of each place on earth, the specialness of our home cultures shared with each other, rather than some imported culture that is now done the same everywhere around the planet, and if we support that with our dollars, then maybe we'll begin to do that with food and with everything we consume. And we may begin to look at consumption differently, and we may begin to demand that everything we use in this life be gravity-fed, solar-powered, dry-farmed, untilled, hand-picked, ecologically integrated, fairly shared, locally adapted, and socially just. And if the way natural wine expanded our palates led to that, well, then maybe it actually would save the world. But organic definitely doesn't suck. Thanks so much for listening. 